Bringing you everything under the Disney umbrella. Network 1901. everyone welcome back to lipstick and lightsabers i am shannon and i'm alex and today we are going to be talking about the hades and persephone myth uh this is one of mine and alex's absolute favorite tropes when it comes Mm -hmm. to books tv shows anything um but before we get into that we do have a couple of news things and we do have a couple of other things first of all um please send us your stories i know everybody's kind of trapped in at home right now yeah this is the perfect time to uh send us your star wars story tell us how you got into star wars what you love about it we really want to hear from you guys and I think we're both pretty open for you to, like, talk about whatever we have. Like, we have guidelines to to what to, like, kind of hit upon. But if there's something, like, you're super passionate about and you just want to talk about Leia for, like, ten minutes, like, we're good with that. (laughs) Yes. Like, really, our guidelines are just to help you if you, like, need help figuring Mm -hmm. out what to say. But, like, for real, if you love this one thing or if, like something like in the news comes out and you just want to talk about it like please use lipsticks and lightsabers Mm -hmm. to just like get your thoughts out there yeah and like with with quarantine a lot of people are discovering parts of star wars they never um experienced before so like people are reading new books that they haven't where they they're playing video games more so if you want to like wax poetic about like (laughs) <laughs> fallen order oh or, please wax um, poetic about fallen the, order <laughs> or or for for example the switch just got um oh what's the name of the game it's an old it's like an older uh, oh, the Menace pod game. racing thing no the the pod racing one is coming out in june there was another mm-hmm. one that came out last week oh i didn't see yeah. that so, like, if you want to see, we don't know about that game. Yeah, and we so tell us. Switches now. <laughs> so maybe you can interest us in that. Yeah. And um, speaking of the Switch, um, so Alex and I have become obsessed <laughs> with Animal Crossing, like, a couple weeks late. <laughs> I waited well, until Alex got her Switch yeah, to get the because game. Because I, I had the, the Coral one pre-ordered, and it didn't come out until April 3rd, so that's why I... I was so late, <laughs> but we started Animal Crossing, and it is my life. Yes. I was playing it, like, uh, we were both playing it before we sat down to record, and I'm like, I should really, like, go check over my notes again, but I really yeah. don't go fishing. <laughs> or, like, the other night, like, we're both, like, morning people, like, we don't stay up late, but the other <laughs> night, I was awake until 1 a.m. weeding my island. Oh, my god. <laughs> I know I couldn't fall asleep last night, so like Alex and I met up because um, I finally found peaches. So I like met her on her island to give her some peaches, and I was like so wound up after being on your island. I couldn't fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like oh my gosh! And we're recording this on Sunday. Um, by the time this comes out on Tuesday, things could have changed. But if any of y'all have oranges, <laughs> we need oranges. <laughs> yeah, we're both missing oranges. Yes, that's what we need. I have pears. Alex has cherries. Yeah, and and if you and the other thing, I'm going to segment over to it. If you go to our Twitter account for the 
for the podcast, you can get lipstick and lightsaber designs for your <laughs> island or like for clothes or for your house. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I made the uh, Leia one, like our, our regular logo mm-hmm. um, as something you can get. And then I did our most recent art, which was um, Ursa Ren. Yeah. <laughs> we did the reveal on Animal Crossing. <laughs> <laughs> and we had a few people guess right. They knew. Even though yes. it was like really pixelated, people knew that was Ursa. Yes. And I do want to <laughs> apologize. Um, there's been a problem with Public. Their servers have been down, so I haven't been able to update the shop. Um, so Ursa hasn't been up. Once I get her up, I will tweet that out again and I'll try to leave her up um, for a little bit longer just in case people really wanted to get her so you have more time Um, because normally I rotate that stuff every week but every day I've logged on they're like oh sorry servers are down and I'm like well fine but you can still get Ahsoka she's like all that's in there right now (laughs) so (laughs) but in other news Star Wars Celebration in Chicago was exactly a year ago Um, we're both really in our feels (laughs) I miss Celebration so much. I think it would be different if next Celebration wasn't so up in the air. I would be kind of like, I would be like celebrating a year since Celebration, but then we would be like, oh, but August is coming soon. But um, with COVID, it feels very like, like, I just don't know where they're going to head with this, if they're going to cancel the event altogether where they're going to yeah. reschedule, or if they're going to do what the rumor is for San Diego Comic-Con, which I really don't want them to do. <laughs> I I would rather... So, like, San Diego Comic-Con, is it, a, is it been it's confirmed? It's a rumor. No, it's a rumor. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so th- there's a rumor that it's canceled and that the panels are going to be available online, mm-hmm. um, which makes me really sad because if Comic-Con is canceled, I feel like that's, like, the nail in the coffin. Yeah. But, um... I would so rather Celebration just get pushed back because, like you were saying earlier, uh, it's it's not about the panels. Like, that's not why it's yeah. fun. It's fun to be there with everybody. And it's it's very hard to express why Celebration is so amazing. It just, it really feels like you're where you're supposed to be as a yeah. Star Wars fan. I think the big question, though, is, like, the availability at the Anaheim Convention Center. Yeah. (laughs) Because if there's not any availability or um, just, like, they probably have to avoid certain times a year because Disneyland will get really crowded around, like, Christmas and stuff, and they won't want to do it during that time of year. So if they push it back, I have to see them pushing it to the spring. To be honest, like, if they couldn't get Anaheim... I would still really love for it to be in Chicago again. Like, yeah. I want to go to Disneyland, but, like, it being in Chicago was really great. Yeah. I don't... Would they? Do you think that they would, if they couldn't get Anaheim, they would be like, oh, well, we can switch, like, venues completely? I don't know. I feel like it would depend. Like, I don't know anybody mm-hmm. in any of that. I don't know what their thought process is at all. But, like, Chicago is a bigger venue. I don't know yeah. if it would be, like, easier or harder to get, but I'm sure they don't have as many, um, like, crowd yeah. constraints as Anaheim. Well, I think as long as it they make it really easy for you to get a refund, because, mm-hmm. like, obviously, like, all these people are, like, counting on it being Anaheim, and it gets changed to a completely different city. Oh, like, yeah. Like, not even near Anaheim. It would have to, there would have to be a lot of things set up for that to go smoothly. <laughs> 
Yeah, for sure. And there are a couple people already that are kind of dropping off of celebration, which, like, totally understand. It's a scary world out there. Like, I don't even like going out to the grocery store. I've been in my house for so long that when I go out, I feel weird. (laughs) Or when you're watching watching Netflix and you see people, like, touching each other and you're like, (laughs) we shouldn't be that close. It's like, no, social distance. Oh, to bring it back to Animal Crossing, I was watching a Let's Play, and apparently you can make your characters sneeze, and I was like, ah, (laughs) don't do that. (laughs) But yeah, we're still planning on going to Celebration. Yeah, Um, we want to, we want to go, like, like, I mean, my airfare is, like, I'm able to cancel it and get a voucher for another, another time, so, like, that's what I'm hoping for, is potentially next spring, I don't know what they would have in mind. I'd be sad that I would have to wait that much longer, but I would still rather that than it get canceled. Yeah, 100%. I mean, regardless, like, we are going to be at Celebration whenever it is, wherever <laughs> it is. Like, we'll still be there for sure. So as far as news goes, um, not a whole lot. We are kind of in, like, the hiatus for Star Wars right now. We did get some reveals of um, a couple of new High Republic characters. Um, There was a little bit of drama about this, but both of us are of the mindset that obviously they're not going to reveal everything right now. Um, Those books don't come out until August. And, uh, you know, Charles Soule, Claudia Gray. I trust them with my life, so... (laughs) Yeah, I I think the criticism is that they're shining too much of, like, a golden light upon this era of Jedi, and they're perfect, and they make no mistakes. Um, And I just, like, they're they're hammering that home too hard. It's suspicious. It it is very suspicious. Um, It does make me worried. Like, this is the golden age, whatever. But, like, you know, the brightest light casts the darkest shadow. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, I, I feel like there's going to be something going on, but I am going to leave like, the... For, for example, like Master and Apprentice, that was, I mean, ten, what, ten years before Phantom Menace? Yeah. And, like, even, I feel like some of that was advertised to being, like, pretty, like, of, of a good era when it was advertised, and it was, like, well, so and, like, messed we, up. We were both really surprised by that, because I didn't think... I would find anything to enjoy in an, in a Qui Gon book, mm-hmm. and it was probably like the favorite the best of the year book of the year. Yeah, yeah, it was so good. And like same with um, Dooku Jedi Lost. Like obviously it was about Dooku, so you know that he's gonna be a, a sad boy, <laughs> a, dr- a drama, a drama he's queen drama. too. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> but like he he does like grow up in a kind of a golden age of the Jedi. But even then, there was corruption, there was a secret pregnancy, like, there was lots of stuff going on with the Jedi. (laughs) But I will leave um, the link to that in the description down below if you want to check out any of the new characters. And then the other thing that we got is that um, Obi-Wan, the show, did get a new writer. Um, Mm -hmm. Again, there was some drama over that. We're going to kind of skip over it. it's still too soon to tell with Obi-Wan or Cassian. I don't I don't know where they're going with anything. I just don't like that they haven't I don't like that they haven't mentioned Cassian in a while. No, yeah, they haven't mentioned it in a <laughs> very long time. That puts me on edge. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, makes me nervous. Uh I need Cass even if like 
we only got like a glimpse as long as he gets to discover the texture of Yaba. <laughs> that's all I want. Yes. <laughs> I just, Cassian, out of the three before Mandalorian came out, Cassian was the one that I was looking forward to the most. Yeah. And I'll be really sad if that doesn't happen. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I do, I love Cassian. He's such a good boy. And like Diego Luna is amazing. He's so good. I did really love the romance aspect with Jin. And like, obviously that's not going to happen because it's only for Rogue One. Um, but I would be interested. something like Solo and yeah, have another Yeah, I, I would be interested to see what they're going to do with it for sure. Because, um... Cassian doesn't trust very easily, and that spells interesting tropes. <laughs> <laughs> so, since we're already kind of talking about shipping, I think it's a good time to get into our topic for this week, uh, which yeah. is the Hades and Persephone myth. The best shipping myth. <laughs> oh, such a good shipping myth. So, so good. I mean, if you guys don't know Hades and Persephone, you know, it's a Greek myth. It's been around forever. Persephone is the daughter of the goddess um, Demeter. Um, she's the goddess of agriculture. So Persephone is a vegetation goddess. Um, she's associated with springtime. And then Hades, of course, is the king of the underlord, of the underworld, the original edgelord sad boy himself. <laughs> All other edgelord sad boys are based off of him. Yes, for sure. So do you want to tell us a little bit about what the myth is, like kind of the abduction, like what happens here? Yeah, so um, Hades, the god of the underworld, he falls in love with Persephone when he saw her picking flowers in the meadow. And then um, he carried her off in his chariot to live in the dark underworld. And um, in some some versions of the story, Zeus has given the con- his consent for the abduction. Yes, and of course that makes Demeter very angry. Uh, she rages across the world. She ignores her duties. And this obviously kind of gets associated with um, the cycle of the seasons. So, mm-hmm. like, she was ignoring her duties, so thus plunged them into fall, plunged them into yeah. winter. Um, it's also like the flowers going away back into the earth and then they come back in the spring because uh, Persephone does get to come back to the the world and her mother for spring um, for, I think it's a third of the year. She spends two thirds with Hades, something, something like that in there. In a lot of the myths, you know, Persephone doesn't have a lot of agency. It's not really about her. She is very mm-hmm. much like the object of the story. Um, it's more about like Demeter. Yeah. It's more about she Hades. She doesn't get a say. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And even when it comes to like her going back to her mother, like the reason she can't she has to come back to the underworld is because she was tricked into eating pomegranates. Um, which if you eat any food by your captor and a lot of myths, that means that you must return to them. So she doesn't get like a ton of agency and like Rick Riordan, I love him. He does Percy Jackson, he does a lot of good retellings, but man, he really drops the ball with Hades and Persephone. Um, his He does do a retelling of it called Persephone Marries Her Stalker, which is just, it's really bad. And Persephone is like horrible in this, um, but it does stay really true to the story. But what's really good, I think, is when you see how this myth gets transformed and how mm-hmm. fem gays have been injected back into it. Yeah, I was saying to you, like, the best versions of this myth that we love are ones that are super femme gays. And, like, femme gays versions of this story have really um, 
They've given Persephone a lot of agency in the sense that they kind of give her this inner darkness and that she already has, but Hades kind of brings it out of her. Yeah, it's like, you know, originally in a lot of myths, like everybody's just an archetype. Mm -hmm. So with Persephone, she is just this like perfect child. She's this golden child. Um, even her original name, which was Kor or Kore, I'm not sure how you pronounce that. Um, it was just the girl or the maiden. Like, that's all that mm-hmm. it meant. She was just this daughter. Um, and it is interesting that she gets renamed Persephone and, you know, she is kind of known as this dark underworld queen. She has equal dominion over the underworld. She is the bringer of death. So, like, Mm -hmm. those elements were still there, and I love seeing people, like, take that and go, like, okay, well, maybe she had this darkness in her, and Hades, like, allowed her to... To explore it. Yeah, to explore her shadow, like, open up and kind of figure out who she is. So, and I did want to bring up um, her being this queen of the underworld. It's really fascinating. Like, there are some myths I was looking up. Um, some people don't even speak her name because she is this underworld queen. Like, they're so afraid of her. And it's interesting because, like, Hera, who is the queen of the gods, she's married to Zeus, she is more just known as this marriage goddess. She is just married to Zeus. She doesn't really, like, rule over men the way Zeus does. But Persephone does. Like, Persephone has a lot of responsibilities in the underworld. She um, sits on the throne beside Hades. And I find that really fascinating that, like, there's this story of this, like, young girl who is, like, all flowers and golden and light being abducted, but then, like, becoming this equal and this all-powerful queen to rule over this realm. So... We did ask you guys, um, what are some of your favorite tellings of Hades and Persephone? Mm -hmm. Um, We got a lot of the same answer, which I was kind of expecting. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So do you want to talk a little bit about Hades' town? Yeah. So I I can't pretend like I'm (laughs) very knowledgeable in it. I listened to it very, very recently. Um, And it is so sad. So, I mean, obviously, it's not just about Hades and Persephone in this. But um, knowing what you know about the myth and, like, listening to a a new retelling of it, thinking that, oh, maybe it'll turn it on its head and it won't end the same (laughs) way this time. But um, it it ends pretty sadly. Um, (laughs) Hades is... (sighs) In this, in this, in this Broadway show, he's very, he's tough in a way, but there's also some softness to him, which we always love to see. In the these, inner sad boy, yeah, the inner soft in boy. These, in these retellings, and he is stuck between a rock and a hard place, trying to decide. Like, I can't show my vulnerability to the underworld, but I also like, I need to let these people go. Um, so you get a little bit of Persephone in there too, but um, the music's really beautiful and it's good and I highly recommend it. Yeah, I haven't listened to it yet. I don't know why I haven't because um, I've heard so many good things about it and like I love Hades and Persephone. It also has um, Orpheus and yeah. Eurydice. Is that how you say her name? I'm yeah. not sure, but it, it, that's the story of like 
you know, he loses his love and he goes down to the underworld to bring her back, which we also see in Star Wars. Um, that's another good myth that kind of gets tied in here. I think, like, something you can kind of get out of this, especially with what you said about Hades and Hades Town, is that is the tropes, like, of who Hades is and who Persephone is. So, like, Hades, mm-hmm. whenever this is being retold, like, his character is kind of dark and isolated yeah. and sometimes people are afraid of him but he is vulnerable and he is yeah. lonely this this version of Hades really just like it, it reminds me of Kylo especially like in 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 the rise of Skywalker in the sense where he has to put up this front like he needs to be the tough guy in charge mm-hmm. not that I completely agree with the way they portrayed Kylo and Tross but um it kind of reminds me of that yeah, well, I mean, it, it's kind of like this lonely ruler. Like, mm-hmm. a, a lot of um, tellings of Hades, like how the world was divvied up and all of this, like, he was kind of left with the underworld. Yeah. And, like, nobody wants to be the ruler of the underworld because nobody's going to like you. <laughs> like, you're the king of hell, you're kind of ostracized. And, you know, like, in our next wreck, Lore Olympus, you know, it, it can be very hard to find love when you're the king of hell and you're very busy and nobody likes you and you're just kind of, you know, this sad boy who wants to be vulnerable but just just can't be, you know? So with Lore, I love how shy they portray him. Oh, I love it so much. So Lore Olympus by Rachel Smythe. Uh, this is a ongoing comic on a webcomic. It is so, so good. The art is beautiful it updates every saturday which i just realized i didn't read yesterday's update i need to do that i haven't either yes (laughs) it's very it's so funny because like this story has been going on for like over a year it's like over 100 episodes in and like only like a week or two has gone by in the story yeah (laughs) which does make it really interesting to binge read that's for sure Mm -hmm. I, i i can't recommend it enough it's it's very very good it it's like a modern take um, like the world of Olympus is more of like a modern city and then like the mortal world is kind of that old Greek style and Hades is kind of like a powerful businessman. He's in a really bad relationship. He's very lonely. You know, all of his brothers are married, but he's not blah, blah, blah. And he meets Persephone and it's just like, she brings this light into his life. Like, she is very yeah. young and she's very naive, but it's kind of, like, returning to, like, what was missing for Hades, I think. It took me a little bit to get used to Persephone in the story because she is so um, innocent and naive. But what's been really interesting is that Rachel has been exploring that darkness within Persephone. Yeah, and... It's it's really like reminiscent of Ray, of like th- this darkness that her like this man is bringing out of her, and yeah. and the great and the great thing about this version of Hades is how soft he is and how um, shy, and he's very different like from that version from Hades Town, like I was saying, where that that version really puts up this front. Where I find War Olympus Hades, like, you can read his face at all times. Like, his expressions say it all. Like, his his heart is on his sleeve. 
Which is, again, I would say very Kylo. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I think, like, this really reveals another interesting aspect of the Hades and Persephone dynamic because it's, like, multifaceted. Like, you have Hades, who on the surface is that, like, dark underworld king, but then underneath is very soft and is very vulnerable. And then with Persephone, it's the opposite. Like, she is this, like, flower goddess, goddess of spring, la la la. Like, especially in Lore Olympus, you know, she's this teeny tiny yeah. little pink girl. But she's a temper. She has a huge temper. Like, she's the one that you don't want to cross. Like, she is the one who, like, will go off. She is the one who will, like, lay the hardest punishments down on you. And... I think it's really important that women get to explore that side of themselves. Like, mm-hmm. they're expected to be that flower goddess Persephone. Yeah. And so often women don't get to explore that queen of underworld Persephone. Mm-hmm. I think Rachel does a really good job of attributing female coded traits with Hades and then male coded traits with Persephone. Yeah, like especially when you get into um, this happens a little bit later in the comic, but there there's an interesting side story going on with Persephone and Ares, and Ares obviously you know he's a very male coded god. He's the god of war, rage, aggression, like very masculine, and it it's really interesting that he talks about how him and Persephone have so many similarities, and like there's something that Persephone did that, like, attracted his attention. And I'm so excited to get to see her explore all of that. It's going to be really, really cool. I I will give um, a little bit of a trigger warning with Laura Olympus. Um, It does explore sexual assault. Um, Rachel is really good at giving... um, A warning on the chapter, yeah. She always warns before she gets into it. It's very good, though. Um, If you want to, like, go in depth, too, there's a YouTube channel that I watch. Let me pull it up. Um, Kiri Calligan, she does YouTube videos about, like, all kinds of things, but she's been doing, um, like, these really in-depth video essays on Lore Olympus. Um, She's got a couple of them out so far, and they're really, really good. Um, I found her because she was talking about, like, the sexual assault side of things, and I really recommend, like watching her and like reading along with Laura Olympus it just adds like such another lens to it so the next uh one that was recommended was Beauty and the Beast which traditionally it is more of a Cupid and Psyche retelling but I think it is still Hades and Persephone because it is this girl being taken from like this world of light into this world of darkness and that is what allows her to like realize who she is yeah and discover that this world of darkness isn't as dark as everyone says it is yeah and and what i really love especially about like the disney beauty and the beast um they make a point of Belle and the beast are the only ones who wear blue and you know they both like find this joy of reading they find that they have so much in common i I really love that because like with gaston like he obviously wants Belle to be that goddess of springtime Persephone but she has discovered that like that's not who she is there's so much more to her she has so many similarities with this monster and that does get into like the monster husband trope and like you know discovering your shadow and reconciling with it 
it's just that allowing the feminine to confront the darkness and to embrace it fully, which is so, so awesome. <laughs> yeah. And I think, like, the, the thing we want to say about, like, Gaston in that whole world is that he is a very materialistic and, like, for him, like, it's just all about the flowers. It's all about the spring, about the beauty. But there is, like, beauty within winter or within death also. Yeah. Well, and there's a violence to spring, too. Like, mm-hmm. I, I remember uh, if you ever take, like, a music appreciation or, like, a dance appreciation, they'll always talk about the rite of spring. And that was a production that sent everybody into a tizzy because it's so sexual and it's so, like, violent. And it's just really showing, like, spring is beautiful, but it's also wild and, like, you can't control it. Like, you can try to control it, but it's going to just become overgrown and take over everything. And, of course, eventually it's going to return back into that world of darkness, back into the earth, because that's the cycle of life. So with Beauty and the Beast, uh, the other wreck that we got was for A Court of Mist and Fury, but Beauty and the Beast leads more into the first book in that series, which is A Court of Thorns and Roses. <laughs> and that's a very different retelling. It's a very different retelling. So They set it up a lot differently. <laughs> it's set up so much differently. We were actually talking about this last night, um, how you started reading Sarah J. Moss. So do you want to talk about your your reading of A Court of Thorns and Roses? <laughs> I started reading them um, maybe a month or two after um, TLJ came out, yeah. I think. Because you were like, girl, do you like The Last Jedi? Read this. Like, okay. I, I had like two things. I was like, look, if you like Raylo, you need to read A Court of Mist and Fury, and you need to read Tower of Dawn, which is like the second book in the series and like the sixth book in the series. <laughs> And, like, I'm like, oh, sweet summer child, like, I don't know anything, (laughs) I don't know better. So I started reading this series, and like you said, the first book is very Beauty and the Beast, very much, like, almost to a T until, like, the the third act. I I would say the the third act goes into the Cupid and Psyche myth, because Psyche has to perform the trials, and that's exactly Mm -hmm. what she's doing. Mm-hmm. So that really falls into the Cupid and Psyche myth. And then things start changing because there's another character that is introduced. And he is our Hades character. And then the story morphs into Hades and Persephone. Yes. And there's also another ship in that series that is visually... And I would say, with the personalities, too, exactly Hades and Persephone, um, which hasn't gotten explored a whole lot, but I'm hopeful it'll, hopefully it will. Next book? <laughs> Maybe next book. Uh, I think we kind of have to talk about spoilers. So if you haven't read A Court of Thorns and Roses, Court of Mist and Fury, I really recommend you read them without spoilers uh, because of how she structures it and like how she's trying to challenge your perspective. Uh, but we are going to talk about spoilers here. So uh, with A Court of Thorns and Roses, it is that Beauty and the Beast. Like she is taken by a beast into this new magical world that's been cursed. Uh, she falls in love with this um, man named Tamlin, who is a high lord, a high fae lord. he is literally a beast. He's literally a beast. He transforms into a beast. That is his power. And as the story goes on, 
he is taken when Feyre, the main character, doesn't break the curse. And she has to journey under the mountain and perform Into all the of these underworld. acts. Yes, the, the underworld. She has to perform these acts, these trials, to prove her love to him and to try to break the curse anyway. And that is exactly what Psyche has to undergo. Because when Psyche realizes the truth of Cupid, of the beast, um, Venus punishes her and makes her do all of these trials to try to get back to Cupid to prove herself worthy of loving him. And she goes through all of this and she gets help from another character named Resand, who is the High Lord of the Night Court, uh, which is known for, you know, nightmares, all that kind of stuff. They're really known as like a terror of yes. like the whole land basically like it's like oh like you don't want to go there like people get tortured there like it's awful it, it's even though under the mountain is definitely like her journey into the underworld like the night court i would say is like what you would think like the kingdom of the underworld mm-hmm. to be that's the perception and i mean he's got bat wings he's really dark but like bad boy yeah bat boy like you're reading this you're like hmm I'm interested in you. You might be a secret <laughs> sad boy. Those are the best kinds. But she becomes indebted to Resand, and because of this, she has to spend periods of time with him in the night court. So she's taken from the spring court um, mm-hmm. with Tamlin. It's once it's 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 for a week every month, right? Yes. So that is definitely that cycle of like taking this springtime goddess out of her home. And taking her into this world of night. And that's when she discovers that maybe things aren't exactly the way that people have told her that they are. And maybe, you know, this darkness, this underworld is, yeah, you know, different than what people were telling her. And maybe um, people within her, like, spring court are holding things from her and even holding her darkness from her. Yes, there there's this amazing scene. So Feyre discovers this power within her and Tamlin won't ever let her use it. He won't train her. It's just being bottled up inside her. It's 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 really awful what he does. He does do it out of his thought of like I'm trying to protect you. He's trying to keep her in a cage. Like he he really is trying to protect her but it's hurting her and it it erupts out of her in this darkness and she's spirited away to the night court for protection. And it, it's so, I just remember seeing that and like seeing Feyre going through this intense depression and the way that it lashes out, like she's destroys things. It's horrible. And then she's taken to this underworld court, like to the, like this night court that you would think would be really horrible. And like, this is where, she's able to reconcile with her darkness and to get through her depression and eventually, you know, come back out the other side, which is very Persephone, in my opinion. At least the the version of the myth that we really latch on to. Yeah. That is being explored in Lore Olympus. Like, there, there have been hints of Persephone having done something like the same kind of thing, like erupting out of her, this this darkness that she couldn't contain. And I think that's a really interesting trait to give Persephone. It's like you try so hard to be that flower goddess and to be that, you know, beautiful, perfect thing. 
But when you ignore that darkness in you and it, you let it fester, like eventually it's going to come out no matter how hard you try. So the other ship in that, there is another character who's very into gardening. She's very quiet. She's very, you know, like a good girl. She wants to do things right, the right way, all of this. And there's an interesting connection between her and one of the other members of the Night Court who is, he talks to shadows, he's very quiet, he's very dark, and I <laughs> need the ship to be canon. We were talking about the ship today. Yes, we were. <laughs> it's very good. It's very good. Well, and it's interesting, too, because... Um, Sarah J. Moss writes about, like, mates, um, like, soulmates, mm-hmm. like, force bond type stuff. Yeah. And they are not mates. Like, we know who her mate is. She has and another mate. Yes. But there's the connection, the romantic connection isn't there. Yeah. I, I really want Sarah J. Moss to explore that. I think there's, there's something there. And, man, I just feel for him because he was in love with this other girl for so long who never loved him and now he's in love with somebody who has another mate and I'm just like baby please be happy I, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing that being explored just because he's he's such a different character than Reese yeah he's he's very different I, yeah did, did you read um, A Court of Frost and Starlight yeah yeah, it, he's so good. I just, I love him. He's such a baby. <laughs> so Sarah J. Moss, um, we both highly recommend her. She's really great. Uh, she does have her own problems, problems here and there. Yeah, when it comes to culture, and I think um, with the way that she writes a lot of her male characters, too, it, she writes them all very similarly. But yeah, I, but, but that, that's why I want to see this this other character being explored in another book because he it, he does seem different he's he's very very different that, yeah. that is for sure because her her new book crescent city like bryce is very similar to aelin and i would say like hunt is very similar to a lot of the guys that she's written before even rune yeah who i think it's going to become more of a main character he he reminds me a lot of dorian um, so, like, I, I'd really be excited to see her explore a little bit more. We haven't gotten really Hades and Persephone with Crescent City, but I'm not ruling it out because she always sneaks Hades and Persephone in there. She always does. <laughs> so her other series, Throne of Glass, um, this one has a lot of more fairy tale princess type retellings. Like, Throne of Glass, like, the whole concept of it was what if Cinderella wanted to go to the ball to kill the prince so that's kind of where she started from it but as the story goes on there is a dynamic where one character named Lorcan is blessed by the god of hell and darkness and then this other girl Elide no Elide Elide's how you say her name uh, who, she's not necessarily Miss Springtime Goddess, but she is uh, naive, she is young, and she does discover this darkness within her uh, that he allows to come out of her, and he is very drawn to her in a very Hades Persephone type of way. It's very good. It's very <laughs> good. Um, my favorite scene in her entire 
thing of books, I think. All of her books. All of her books. And every single of, one. I think so. Is <laughs> It happens exactly halfway in the very last book in Kingdom of Ash. And it is an Elite and Lorcan scene. And it's so good. It's It's so, like, it's so Persephone embodying this queen of hell charging out onto a battlefield to save what she loves. I was screaming. Oh, so good. I remember when I read that and I was like, Alex, please. Oh, it is so freaking good. Like, that's not my favorite ship. I am, um, hot take, my favorite ship is Kaol and Irene. I'm sorry. But they are very Beauty and the Beast, and I love them. But man, you're just, just like so good. you love Kale. I like, do love Kale. You will die for him. I will die for Kale. I'm so sorry, everybody. <laughs> I know, but like he gets a he, he gets a good redemption. I just like he comes back. He learns so much, and he gets the trope of life forces being tied together. So yeah, it is a very good trope. It's a very good trope. It's that book mm-hmm. is very Raylo. Really Why didn't like they it. do that for Tross? <sighs> because they're dumb, Alex. <laughs> because men. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> so our last two recommendations that are um, not associated with Star Wars are a little bit more like when it comes to the tropes because they're not straightforward like retellings, yeah. but they do embody it. I would say. So for the first one, Avatar The Last Airbender, we got Zutara. (laughs) And I think for them, it's more just like the tropes in the terms of their personalities and like where they come from more so than like necessarily their entire arc. Yeah, for sure. And and obviously like this one, uh, they do not end up together, even though that was apparently the plan. But now they, they, they've been peddling back on that. I don't know. I don't know. I I will be forever bitter that Zutara didn't happen. Yeah, I'm forever. glad when I did watch that series, I already knew. <laughs> I knew that they weren't going to end up together, but it was sad anyways. Makes me really sad. But, like, yeah, Zu- like I was going to call her Zutara Katara. Uh, she, once again, she is kind of that, like, naive girl kind of descending into this darkness, discovering that she has this darkness within her. I think the, like, one of the best episodes, especially Zutara-wise, is when Zuko takes her to confront the man who killed her mother. And just seeing her figure out, like, this vengeance and this bloodlust and to have Zuko be the one who, like, this whole series, like, he's this horrible bad guy, honor, whatever, and him being the one to, like, bring her back and, like, help her remember her her humanity, that's very Hades and Persephone to me. Like, he's learned a lot from her. Yes. I I think he's rubbed off the most... She's rubbed off the most on him. And then he's sending that back to her. (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> Alex, when are you going to read Heart So Fierce and Broken? <laughs> um, well, I got to read Crescent City. That's true. I want you to read Crescent City I made first. I priorities. Last night that I have to read Crescent City. Yes, you have um, to read Crescent City. 
<laughs> Maybe when you I read Crescent City, up. we'll talk about it on here. <laughs> I I got caught up in reading Tross and then Animal Crossing, but I will go back to Crescent City, I promise. Yes. I gotta save the chickens. You gotta save the chickens. It's just every time I, I think of... Um, you know, like her teaching him so much and then it rubbing back off. I think of heart so fierce and broken because she teaches him how to be gentle, Alex. Alex, <laughs> <laughs> you don't understand. <laughs> it's so good. I'm going to die. <laughs> but our last recommendation um, is Twilight. Uh, I've been rereading Twilight and watching the movies. Uh, you've I've been, been watching, watching the them. movies. <laughs> I'm on Breaking Dawn. And I've never seen Breaking Dawn. I was like, okay, so I definitely have seen the first Twilight multiple times in a sense where I can like follow the story and remember it as it's it's playing and being like, okay, yeah, yeah, I remember this. But none of the other movies I have like much memory of. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um now and so I was I started Breaking Dawn last night and it was wild. Like, I was like, I don't remember any of this. <laughs> except the bed breaking. Uh, no, nobody remembers anything except for the bed breaking. No, and here- I think I only remember that from the book. I don't think I remember it from the movie. But here's the thing. Okay, raise your hand if you remember <laughs> there being... smut in yeah, Twilight. who remembers there being smut in Twilight? I was so floored. It's a fade to black. And, like, it's not even just a fade to black. It's, like, a, like, you miss so many scenes fade to black. But the movie isn't really. (laughs) Maybe that's why. Do you remember the movie? No, I've never seen it. Okay, but, so, I I don't know. know. (laughs) I don't know. I just, like, I can't believe. I, I never understood how Fifty Shades started as Twilight fan fiction. I get it now. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel so, like, cheated. Because these books are so horny. Like, yeah. and Bella wakes up as a vampire hornier than ever. And I'm just like, <laughs> Stephanie Meyer, like, you gotta break this tension. <laughs> it's too much. <laughs> there's definitely not, like, that's that's one a criticism of Twilight I think I have, is that there's not enough tension. Mm-hmm. It's... It's very one-sided. The thing yeah. that I've kind of realized by reading these books is that the only real character is Bella. Nobody else yeah. is, like, a real character. Like, they're not fleshed out. Yeah. And, and, like, I don't mean that in, like, a bad way. I mean this as, like, Edward is Bella's ideal man. Like, he is everything that Bella wants. And so everything that he does is in relation to Bella. Like, he's never going to do anything else. He cannot exist outside of Bella because he's created for her. Yeah. And it's, like, the same with Jacob. Isn't there another book that's in his perspective? There is. So I would be really interested to read that because... I've never read that. Yeah, I don't know how that would go. You, it's really funny to me that, like, Twilight, the movies, focused so heavily on the love triangle. And even, like, Eclipse does, too, in the books. When really, like, this is all about... Bella and like her journey and her decisions and what she wants and she doesn't want the love triangle she never wants Jacob she only ever wants Edward she wants to be a vampire she wants to have sex with him I do like that 
in Breaking Dawn, she gets to have it all. Like, she even gets to have kids. Um, do I think that she wanted kids? No. Is the baby creepy? Yes. <laughs> um, is it weird? Yes. But Bella does get to have it all. And it's very unapologetic about her getting to have it all, which is rare. I don't think we get to see that a lot mm-hmm. in like mainstream media. Yeah. So where do we see Hades and Persephone with Twilight? I think it's it's Edward kind of bringing Bella into this world, into his secret and mm-hmm. into his family. And, um, and like, Bella's the only one that really sees the Cullens as this special thing and not, like, this weird family or this, like, kind of, like, scary coven. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think he is kind of bringing her into this this dark side. I, I pulled a quote out. This this kind of reminds me of like as you were talking like her as Persephone kind of coming into her own and finding out like she has a place here um this is from Breaking Dawn I'm almost done with it so this is pretty close to the end um it says so this was really different I was amazing now to them and to myself it was like I had been born to be a vampire the idea made me want to laugh but it also made me want to sing I had found my true place in the world the place I fit the place I shined because in the first book she it, it really does hammer home like she she's very uncomfortable she's very awkward she doesn't feel like this is right and this is where she belongs but through that secret with the vampires, through this new world, like, she does kind of see, like, this is what I want. This is what I'm supposed mm-hmm. to be. And she wants to be that equal, which we do see with Hades and Persephone of them, you know, ruling equally. Yeah. I would definitely recommend uh, rereading Twilight. <laughs> I think we've forgotten a lot of Twilight. <laughs> and, like what Twilight allowed for the future of YA. Yeah, I I think reading them, you really see, um, like, oh, like, this is where this trope came from, and oh, this is why so many books are written this way. Like, even with fan fiction, like, as I'm reading them, I'd be like, oh, like, I've read a lot of fan fiction that does this kind of thing, and, like, it's because Twilight kind of, like, allowed it to be okay. Like, I looked up uh, why, I looked up young adults on like Wikipedia just seeing like where it started and all of this and it talks about Hunger Games and it talks about Harry Potter and it skips Twilight and I think that is a really big error because Twilight was written by a woman for women it's so unapologetically feminine and a lot of YA does that yeah and Harry Potter didn't start out as YA it, it evolved into that. Yes. And we wouldn't have gotten Hunger Games without Twilight, I would say. Yeah. Like, for sure. I will say that um, the books get worse <laughs> as you read them. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so over it. I'm ready to be done with Breaking Dawn just because they get very repetitive and very long. Um, but it is still interesting. I think the weak point is Jacob in general just being so repetitive <sighs> in every book. <laughs> He's so he like that is the one good thing about Breaking Dawn is that like spoilers, I guess, um when Jacob imprints <laughs> on this baby cuz finally <laughs> Jacob acts different. 
Like, finally, he's not, like, lusting after Bella and having the same conversation with And telling her what she can and can't do. Oh, my gosh. Like, finally, he's, like, changed as a person. But, like, what a weird trope. (laughs) Stephanie Meyer. (laughs) There's a lot of things to unpack with her, that's for sure. (laughs) So, are you ready to move in to some Star Wars-related Hades and Persephone? Yeah, I think so. All right. So I would say, like, the OG uh, Hades and Persephone. I mean, obviously, Raylo, it's very coded. We're going to talk about Raylo. Um, but Annie Dalla definitely has a lot of that in there, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's... Um, it's interesting to, to, to take that point from The Phantom Menace, though. Because Annie is definitely doesn't come across very Hades-like. No. <laughs> I, I think um, visually, the first time you see it is obviously when they're having the picnic. Like, there's lots yeah, of flowers, and like flowers. even Anakin in that scene still kind of like stands out. <laughs> oh boy, that scene! <laughs> that scene. Um, but I, I think like the pear. The oh my pear. gosh, she eats fruit. She eats fruit. <laughs> she eats the fruit. Oh my god. <laughs> it, it's George like, Lucas. George Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> He's definitely like pulling on these tropes. Like yeah. you, you don't really see her like be taken like into this dark side because you know she doesn't exist when he's Vader, but she does still embody those Persephone um characteristics and those mm-hmm. tropes, I would say though. Yeah. I think that um Anakin's Hades like traits are brought out of him by being with her. Yeah, which is kind of interesting to think about. Like, she, like, challenges, like, obviously, like, his Jedi training and all of that. Like, she shows him that, like, there could be a different life and, like, a different way. And that does manifest in him in, like, frustration and darkness. Um, Maybe he's Persephone. Maybe. (laughs) I think you could definitely flip the roles. I think you could. That's wild. Because she is you know, this powerful ruler who has to put up this front, like, you see this in Queen's Shadow, but she's lonely and she wants somebody Senate to come in. Senate is the underworld. Yeah. It's interesting. It's, like, without the visuals, it kind of works. Yeah. I like that. That's really interesting. Their story does morph into the Orpheus myth, though, uh, especially mm-hmm. in the Vader comics, with Vader always trying to bring Padme back. back. He's always looking for her. Very sad boy. He's so sad. I love sad Vader. <laughs> and I really do think that they're going to do that to Ray. I really do. <laughs> if they don't, what was the point? I know. <laughs> so we are beating around the bush here. Or no, let's let's go ahead and talk about Raylo. So Raylo, you know, this even adds to it because Raylo is reverse Annie Dalla, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, it, it comes in there. They truly embody like a transformed Hades and Persephone myth. Like even though that she's in this desert, she is still associated like with flowers. With flowers. Yeah, because she's yeah. trying to bring those desert flowers back to life. And her name is Ray, Ray of Light. Like, w- like she is feeding the flowers. She's like sunshine. She she is the giver of life. I would say. 
Mm-hmm. And they do, ex- I do think they explore that in The Rise of Skywalker um, with the healing aspect of it. And she's the one who teaches Kylo how to heal and how to give. Yeah. Um, so that is that reflection coming back healing, in Healing, though, is something that we always expected in the last movie. Oh, yeah. 100%. Regardless of if it was going to be good or not. <laughs> yes. Well, because I, I think we always expected that, like, transformation element, like, that death of, you know, who you were before and then being healed and brought back. Like, that was always something that we were going to see with a dynamic like this. The minute, like, (laughs) whenever I talk to, like, 2015 Raylos or, like, I I see, like, old posts or anything, like, the biggest thing is him taking her in the forest and taking her on his chariot to the underworld, which is, you know, space and the Star Destroyer. Oh, my God. Yeah. He literally (laughs) abducts her from this world of nature and takes her into the darkness and nothing else mattered in that moment it was like what joy does matter yeah nothing matters (laughs) just her and i i think you could definitely say like um especially in the book like the way he's so fascinated with her like he's immediately drawn to her like that is very true to the original myth of him falling in love with her immediately and being like i need i need this girl i need to know what's going on here and their fights in the snow, like, that is a very, like, fight in the underworld. Like, he is very in his element, and she stands out for sure. Yeah, and the ground even splits. Like, it's, and it's, it's under destruction. Another big thing is that darkness in Ray, which sort of gets explored in episode nine, but I, I think it, it, goes, it goes deeper. So good. It, yeah, it, it goes way deeper. Mm-hmm. Everybody expecting Rey to be this, you know, Jedi, like this good Jedi, the way that, you know, we had always thought them to be. But her discovering that there is that darkness in her, there, there is something else. And Kylo being the one to tell her, like, it's okay. And like, you know, you can work through this. Like, yeah. don't shove it aside like I did. Like, you need to embrace it. And I, I kind of want to bring us back to the last Jedi in the in the mirror cave, because that's so that's a dark side cave. She goes down there to find her belonging, basically to find her parents. And you see someone walking towards her, and his silhouette really looks like Kylo. But then at the last minute, it kind of morphs into Rey, and she sees herself. And like to me, that's her seeing him within her like that 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 the dyad like the darkness that's inside of her is like is part of him also it, it's it's all about a balance and and i think hades and persephone balance each other like that's the point like that's why that they're equals because they are multifaceted and they bring out those opposites within each other and then they help balance it out because they also it is reflected in each other I did, a, I did a lot of research when I was um, looking up for Tangled about, like, sun and moon imagery and sun goddesses and all of this. And a lot of the times, like, the sun, um, whether it's, like, masculine or feminine, like, you know, it has both. It has those masculine traits and those feminine traits. Like, it, it is this bringer of life, but then it is also this fiery rage and destruction. And I think 
that is definitely embodied in, you know, spring. It, it has both of those in it. Ray is definitely this ray of light, but then also that she ha- she's so angry. She has so much rage in her. And, like, with Ben, like, you would expect him to, like, he is angry and he does rage and all of this, but he's also quiet on the inside and vulnerable, and they both bring out those opposite sides and help that balance come mm-hmm. in there. And I think that's, like, last, um, two weeks ago, we did our review of the book, and I think that's why that book just just doesn't hit for me, is that there, it, that book doesn't show that whatsoever. No, yeah, it it, it only hits the surface. It, it only hits, like, the Kylo is evil on the surface, Rey is good on the surface. It doesn't go deeper. Um, which, like, that is my problem with, like, untransformed Hades and Persephone, because Persephone is normally, like, an object in that. And I, I think you you could make an argument that the rise of Skywalker is a transformed Hades and Persephone because Persephone is no longer the object, but instead of having her embrace her feminine and her darkness, she still shuns her darkness. So even though she has agency, yeah. she's not embracing who she is yeah. anymore. She just takes on a new identity. Yeah. I, I think, like, that is the big thing. Um, Marie Claire from What the Force, she just started a, a YouTube channel called What the Fiction, and her first one was kind of about feminine gaze and how it's always in musicals and all of this. And I, I think, like, the reason why so many writers can't get a hold on what feminine gaze is, even when they think they're doing it, is because they're not focusing on the emotion and the character. Yeah. It comes from within. No, it needs to come from within. Yes, exactly. And, like, that's what The Rise of Skywalker is missing. Like, it's yeah. very much, like, it's it doesn't go deeper. It's yeah. just what you see on the surface. And it's, like, I think the Western world is not going to get used to that type of story if they don't tell it enough. Exactly. Because we see it with, like, the hate for The Last Jedi and the hate for Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. We, the the Western world just isn't as used to it. <laughs> no, it, it's really not. Like, it, they aren't used to dealing with the emotion on the inside mm-hmm. and, like, dealing with, like, who you are and, like, going through all of that. I don't really know where that comes from. Like, why, like, Western media is so opposed to it. I think you're just, you're, you're trained so much to be told this is what we're used to. This is good. Oh, this is different. (laughs) So therefore it is bad. Yeah, it's, it's, it's such a shame because there, there's so much potential there. Yeah. Um, And like, we've talked about this, Alex and I are both on the train of like, you know, resurrection and Ben Solo is going to come back and all of this. Um, But I did see somebody point this out, and I definitely agree. I want to see them take the rise of Skywalker and acknowledge the harm and fix it. Like, you can't have Rey the way that she is. Like, she needs to confront the darkness in her, because right now she's just pushed to the side. And I I don't know if they're going to do it like that. I hope that they will. But only time will tell. 
But, you know, we can always hope. Um, there are a lot of Star Wars stories coming down the line and a lot of books. Um, we do see this as well um, a little bit in Dark Disciple with Ventress and Voss. Uh, we love this book. <laughs> <laughs> I like when I put this um, down in our notes, I was really thinking about those moments where um, Ventress takes Voss to Dathomir. Mm-hmm. Dathomir is like underworld <laughs> yes. to the extreme um which makes me wonder like if we ever get to see that mall kira story I, how that will be <laughs> i think you could argue that dathomir is <laughs> the underworld for the feminine like the, yeah. this, because you know it, it was home to the Night Sisters. There are yeah. um, the Night Brothers, but it was um, it's 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 a matriarchy. Yeah, it was a matriarchy. Like this is where, like, women and the feminine can like make that descent into darkness and like embrace it. Um, yeah, and that is what Ventress is trying to get Voss to do in that book. Um, for those of you mm-hmm. who haven't read it, um, Ventress, you know, she's a very popular villain from the Clone Wars. Um, Voss was a Jedi, and Dark Disciple is based off of unaired episodes of the Clone Wars. Uh, they are working together to try to kill Dooku, and they come together in a really interesting way. Um, they do fall in love, but it, it's really fascinating to see their dynamic. Yeah, she's definitely the Hades character in this version. Yes, for sure. Well, and I I think she is, like, you do see a little bit of that naive thing with Voss, because there's so much about the dark side that he doesn't know, and she helps Mm -hmm. him tap into it and learn to live with it. Yeah. And you have to wonder, also, Fallen Order, like, because at one point, from what I understand, Fallen Order... Uh, Marin and the seventh sis, the second sister, were one character, and then mm-hmm. they split them together, split mm-hmm. them off. And I have to wonder, like, when that was one character, like, what was that looking like? Was that Hades and Persephone? Obviously, in this case, Cal is our Persephone. Mm-hmm. I think any Jedi is probably going to be a Persephone character. Because they are about upholding the good, especially, like, the way the, they get in, like, the prequels, because um, they are, like, shunning that darkness a lot. Um, this is, again, making the case even more that Anakin is Persephone, because um, he has to learn to live with that darkness. Like, he has it within him, but everybody around him is telling him, like, no, be this thing, be this type of Jedi. And he has to explore it. He has to make that descent. Yeah. And you see what happens when you don't allow yourself to do that Mm -hmm. i think we could see that come in in high republic just because we're dealing with so much jedi stuff and they are talking so much about like we're in this golden age i do think we're gonna have a character be introduced that is going to show one of them you know but what if that wasn't the only way and the other thing is about the Sith, the Sith temples being underneath the Jedi ones. Yes, yes. <laughs> they make that descent into there. It's mm-hmm. it's really fascinating. And, like, you have to have both. You know, Hades and Persephone rule together. You have to have the balance. You can't have one without the other. A while ago, like with Game of Thrones, um, Sansa is a little bit 
of that Hades and Persephone because she kind of has to come into her darkness. There's not a set Hades character with her. Yeah. But she she does kind of embody that Persephone a little bit. Oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. I, I really like Sansa a lot. I, I, do I too. love her her story. Yeah. And I think you see again like that hate with Sansa. It's because she is she's very feminine and she wants to hold on to the way things are supposed to be. But she eventually finds out that like that's not going to be the way that things go and like she has to survive she has to fit in and she does that in a very feminine way which is very different from her sister Arya um which again it's it's just that people don't seem to get the femme gaze and a lot of times that mm-hmm. results in people not understanding it and they don't like it and then they they yeah. hate it it's sad it is sad it's very sad and it's like it's too bad that Black Widow isn't coming out soon because I was kind of looking forward to that to see what they were going to do. Um, yeah. Not that like that's that like Black Widow is one of my favorite characters, but just seeing a new superhero movie created by uh, and directed by a woman would have been nice to see. But now we gotta wait for it. Yeah, I was kind of hoping that they would. Um drop a lot of their new stuff like on Disney Plus um, but they're really just pushing yeah. it back um, they don't want to lose all the money yeah which I like I get but like come on like Emma that was such a good thing to do but Emma was already in theaters that's, that's the difference true. and same with Onward Onward was already in theaters the only so I think the only release that they did that went right onto digital was Trolls the new oh, Trolls yeah. movie. Nobody was yeah. going to see Trolls, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Especially not with Onward out. <laughs> um, but I think the, the biggest takeaway here is that Hades and Persephone is a myth that has been greatly influenced by the feminine gaze um, as it has been transformed. And, like, a lot of the times when you see feminine gaze stories, it is going to tap into that because it's going to tap into Persephone going within herself, figuring out what she wants, embracing that darkness, and it will be brought out in a character that society wouldn't expect to be with that kind of person. I think is like the main way it's been transformed. And if you are looking for good feminine gay stories, um, we both highly recommend Emma. Emma's so good. So <laughs> I want days. the price to come down so I can watch it again. I know. Yeah. We're all just like when it when it comes out to just buy it. Like I'm buying it. Yes, I'm so gonna buy it. Um, we've also been watching Handmaid's Tale. Very fem mm-hmm. gaze. Very fem mm-hmm. gaze. It, it's um definitely like trigger warnings for sure. Yeah. Um, it has got a lot of mature content in it, but it is very fem gaze and. I just started season three. Um, I'm not going to spoil anything. Um, but my favorite character is the wife, um, Serena. She's horrible. She's like a Cersei type of character. But I'm rooting for a redemption. And I want her and June to work together and burn it all down. I have a feeling she's going to die. But I've really <laughs> loved seeing her journey. It's fascinating yeah it's really she has to go through a lot of emotional work it's very very cool and i finished killing eve last week so i'm all caught up on killing eve for the (laughs) new episodes this week um and it's 
good, Shannon. I know. We gotta and watch it. I, I think you could even make an argument for some Hades and Persephone trace in that story, too. Mm-hmm. And the great thing about Killing Eve is every season, there has been a different um, head writer. Oh. And they've all been women. So Phoebe Waller-Bridge is, like, the creator of the show, but she was the head writer of season one. And then season two had a different woman as their head writer. And then season three, it's a different woman as their head writer. That's really cool. And, and by watching the show, I can totally see why Phoebe Waller-Bridge was hired onto Bond. <laughs> 100%. Now I get it. <laughs> She's really killing it when it comes to bringing out the feminine gaze in, like, traditional masculine yeah. stories. Yeah, exactly. Like She's so creative like phoebe waller bridge is an amazing writer like genius (laughs) she's a genius for sure i really would love if she could write star wars that would be so good (laughs) oh man like she would bring something so fresh so fresh and needed to star wars so do you have anything else to kind of wrap it up i don't think so okay well, thank you guys um, to everybody who gave us Rex um, on our Twitter question. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Like we said at the beginning, um, please send us your Star Wars stories. You can find instructions for how to do that in the description um, of this podcast episode and all of our podcast episodes. If you want to just talk about anything, talk about anything. You can message us first. Um, doesn't matter. We just want to hear from you guys. Like, for real, please use those and lightsabers as a place to just, you know, Get some emotions off your chest. If you got to talk about stuff, just talk about stuff. Like, that's why we're here. Like, that is what this podcast is for. But if you want to support us, um, you can always reach out to us. Um, We are on Patreon. You can find links to that on our website. We have our merch store. Like I said, when it's fixed, I will upload more stuff to it. Um, And then you can always find us on Twitter at lip underscore lightsabers. I'm at McCarter Shannon. She is at Alex Leonis. And we will see you guys in the next one. Bye. Bye.